Hi, and welcome back to the show. This is Brett Hawes, your host, and you are listening to Holistic Health Masterclass Podcast. Uh, I don't have any announcements. Um, I do have some exciting stuff coming up. Uh, For those of you following me on Facebook, uh, spoiler alert, you would have already got this or you will be getting it in the next couple of days. Uh, But I'll just say one thing, DNA-based nutrition and customized, personalized designer nutrition based on your unique DNA. That's all I'm going to say for now. For those of you who are following me on Facebook, or if you're not, maybe you can hop onto Facebook and uh, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So onto today's show, um, we have uh, Brooke and Mike here, and they are part of a documentary called From Shock to Awe, which actually got released yesterday, which would be November 12th. Um, you know, the I don't know where to start with this, but long story short, and just to sort of give you a quick overview of what this podcast is about, uh, Brooke and Mike are a couple, and they were soldiers in the U.S. military, uh, did multiple tours overseas, and basically came home and um, suffered from PTSD, you know, so post-traumatic um, stress disorder. And from there, they obviously, you know, sought out the medical routes, uh, got on prescription medications, psychotropics, antidepressants, bipolar meds, et cetera, et cetera, and quickly realized that this was just going nowhere and that they were in, in many, at, at many points uh, in a worse state than they were before. And this led them down the path of looking into medical cannabis and ayahuasca, which, you know, the longtime listeners of the show, you would know that I've done a, a few episodes on ayahuasca uh, from different angles. But uh, this was really the game changer for them and, and turned things around for them uh, quite radically, in fact. And this episode really sort of touched a chord with me, uh, very heartfelt. Um, you know, I really want to thank uh, Brooke and and uh, Mike up front for just being so open and honest in this episode. And I think you'll get that when you listen to this. Uh, you know, not always an easy thing to talk about our own personal trauma and to really share that on a public space. So I do appreciate that. And, you know, um, something I will also say is uh, I, I want to just really reiterate the powerful nature of this type of medicine and that, you know, this is not something to be taken lightly. This is not something that we just want to go and try out and see what happens. Uh, I think you will you will catch the intensity uh, in Mike's voice as he sort of recounts his experience with this. And, uh, you know, even for myself, this is something that I've really had to um, sit with uh, and and work towards uh, versus jumping in with both feet. So uh, I think you're going to enjoy today's episode, um, a little bit different from what we normally do, um, and you know, a very honest, open account of uh, what's possible out there. So uh, as always, if you enjoy the show, please consider sharing it with your friends, with your family. Uh, you can also hop onto Facebook and follow my page. And um, yeah, leave us a review, subscribe, do whatever you have to do. Uh, as you know, I don't advertise on the podcast, so uh, I'm just looking for more listeners and to get the word out and have uh, more people like Brooke and Mike on the show. So I'm going to leave it at that. Enjoy, today. Enjoy today's show, and uh, I will catch you next week. All right, so Mike and Brooke, uh, welcome to the show, guys. I'm super stoked to have you here. And uh, I know we've had some schedule conflicts and all of that stuff, but, um, you know, glad that we finally get to do this. So welcome to the show and thanks for being here. No, thank you for having us. Seriously, we really appreciate this. Absolutely. Yeah, it's great to be on. Awesome. Um, You know, I I, I guess I want to paint a bit of a picture, but I really want you guys to fill in the gaps. Um, You know, the, the, the premise of this podcast is really looking at the... I don't even want to say the difference, but the stark contrast between using psychotropic drugs, um, you know, antidepressants, bipolar medication, et cetera, uh, and and sort of pit that against um, more psychedelic medication, right? And and when I say psychedelic, I don't mean like, you know, hardcore, you know, acid or DMT or anything. It's more just the, 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 the use of natural medicine, whether it be cannabis, whether it be um, ayahuasca, whatever that is, and sort of like just sort of really paint the landscape and the bridge between those two modalities. So I guess I'm going to open it up to you guys. Um, you know, give if you can give me a brief rundown and, and our audience here, like how did you become 
stars, if you will, or features in the documentary that we're going to talk about? What, what, what's, this, what's the background? I like that you use features in the documentary because the word stars is a little weird yet. That's not, (laughs) (laughs) it is. It's still strange. People will, Oh, here's the stars of our film. We're like, no, it's not, it's not necessarily stars. We're just, it timing wise, it worked out perfectly that we could be there. It was apparently the universe aligned, you know? Um, So I guess with my background, it would become, from when Mike and I, we were both on active duty at the same time. And um, I got out a couple years before he did. My time in the service ended, my PTSD ramped up fiercely, so quickly, so bad. So this was actually after your active duty that the PTSD ramped up? It was, it was afterwards that it got really, really bad. It wasn't, um, I definitely noticed a shift in my personality while I was on active duty after I had come back from deployment. But the once you get out, then all of a sudden you have to act like the civilian population. You're expected to mm. be just like them. And you're so not like them. You're not like them at all. So it's, all, it's and, almost like a bit of like a case of culture shock, right? Where you're stepping out of one yes, environment into is. another and then... Entirely. Yeah, okay, okay. It, it, entirely, it very much is. And so then you're stepping out into a world that you have no idea how to navigate because there's not, you don't have that. If you adopt the military discipline into civilian life, it, it just does not work. It can't work. But mm. you don't know any better when, when you're doing this transition, you don't know any better. You just think, oh, well, this is just, you know, the growing pains of going through this. And those growing pains had me on antidepressants. I was on, at any given point in time, I can actually list it off still to this day. So eight medications throughout the day. I had Xanax and Clonopin for anxiety, Celexa and Zyprexa as an antidepressant. They also gave me lithium because they were treating me for bipolar disorder that I didn't have. It was actually PTSD, but they, they thought it was bipolar. So Celexa, Zyprexa, Xanax, Clonopin, and then I was on fentanyl patches and Percocet for pain. And then also on 450 milligrams of Seroquel, which is an antipsychotic. I was a non-functioning human. I can only imagine. I, I, I can only... Now, I mean, a couple of questions that I have, like, right out the gate here is, one, um, how old were you when this was happening? 27. Okay, so 27. So still, like, young in the grand scheme of things. Yes, very. And, 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 and was there any, you know, so... Like, and I just want to sort of, like, take a, you know, take a couple steps back here. When you talk about active service, I mean, I'm, I, I know your story. We've obviously spoken offline here. Um, this was in a war situation, if I'm not mistaken. This was in an actual combat situation. Is, so is that- I, spent, I spent time in a combat zone, and then I came back from Iraq, and I got out within about a year. I got out of the Army about a year after I got back. Um, and it wasn't until that year was up and I got out that I realized how bad I was, how okay I wasn't. And I was right. relying solely for pretty much that entire year on narcotic pain meds. And so, so, the, so the, the, the quote unquote recommendations or the solutions that were offered to you were, I assume, just being put forward by the military, by the government, and so on. And, and the, 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 like, this is kind of it. <laughs> this is what we offer, and that's what you got. From what I understand now, what I know of it now, that was basically the quintessential combat cocktail. You come oh, wow. back, okay. you can't sleep, you feel depressed. Let's put you on Celexa. If that doesn't work, let's add Zyprexa. You can't sleep at night. We're going to throw in some Ambien. Okay. Oh, your anxiety's amping up. Xanax, 
clonopin, all of that. And then if you had chronic pain, Percocet and fentanyl patches were very, very widely prescribed and used. And so that cocktail of medications was not something that was uncommon. It was widely, widely distributed throughout the military. Right. And, you know, I mean, and, and this, this is obviously like, I get it, you know, we're living in a medical model and perhaps we'll circle back to that in, in just a second. Um, you know, I always say when, when everything, um, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? So there's, there's never any, exactly. there's never any alternative solutions uh, if all you have Absolutely, is one solution. Yeah. Yeah. So, so and Mike, you know, I'm glad that you're chiming in as well. Like, I mean, what was, was this your experience? Like, is this, you know, a similar story here or, or perhaps you can share some insight on your situation? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I, I deployed, uh, three times, once to Afghanistan and twice to Iraq. Um, and, uh, I, I noticed after my first deployment that I was getting uh, uh, much more hypervigilant, much more aware of my surroundings. Um, but I just kind of figured that that was an advantage. Um, you know, it was a skill set that I was building. Um, it was useful uh, over over in a combat zone. And uh, then after my second deployment, um, I started having uh, a lot of anger issues, things like that. But I mean, Everybody in my unit was <laughs> pretty much pissed off all the time. I mean, that same boat, right? We, you know, uh, what's that? Uh, embrace the suck is a, <laughs> a very common uh, saying, you know, yeah. that, that we get used to. You know, you just get used to the fact that, that everything sucks. And that's just how life is while you're, while you're in. Yeah. Um, and then you develop a, a very good sense of sarcasm and, um, quick, wit. And quick wit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then and a, dark and, a, and a very dark sense of humor that doesn't mesh well outside of the military. Yeah, actually disturbs most people. But uh, yeah. we uh, let's see. I got out and uh, I came back from my third deployment in 2009, and uh, it was it was then that I really noticed that hey, this is not okay. I need to do something about this, and um. We, uh, uh, Brooke and I had gone out to a, uh, Chinese food restaurant and we had taken, uh, Ryan, our, our daughter. And, uh, she was just a, a little, little thing at the time. Um, maybe two years, two, three years old at the okay. time. And, um, yeah, three. And, uh, and, uh, she threw a fit when we left the restaurant. And in my head, I wanted to just grab her and shake her. And I didn't, but it flashed in my head. And that was enough to be like, okay, this is uncharacteristic of you. You you need to talk to somebody because this is, this is not how you solve issues. Yeah. Um, So I mean, it's it's almost like, like just to interject, I mean, it's almost like you're in this, this constant combative confrontational mindset right like any little trigger that's going to set you off you're just going to beat the crap out of someone yeah absolutely yeah Yeah. you 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 address the situation with anger you just crush it because that's the way you stay alive yeah Um, so so yeah carry on carry on no, no, please go, go ahead. No, please. so I'm just, I'm, you know, I, I, th- I think I, I think I get the, like, you know, we, we get the picture of that. Um, you know, so, so you both come back, you get off active duty and were you also put on like a lot of these same medications, Mike? Oh, I was put on, uh, Celexa and Zyprexa, uh, as soon as I went and talked to somebody after that, uh, event. But I was still on active duty and was on active duty duty for another three years after that um, oh, wow. on those okay. medications. Um, and Brooke was not; she was she was, was not out. she was already out. Yeah. Um, so how how did you find? Yeah. Like, I mean, how was the medication? Like you know, obviously Brooke, you were out, and then you were on the meds. So it was a little bit different because you were in a more of a civilian, you know, regular type. I didn't but but for you, Mike, I mean, you were obviously taking these medications, and then you were also on active duty. I mean, how was that for you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I became a zombie. Um, I, I didn't care about anything. I just did my job. Um, I, I I just went. I I, had, I was apathetic about everything. Bare minimum. Uh, bare minimum. My my job 
ratings went downhill, uh, where I had a, a stellar career up until that point. Mm. Um, and then, uh, my, my, <laughs> I was doing so poorly at my unit at the time that they went ahead and, and shipped me off to Germany just to get me out of the unit. Yeah. Um, and oh, wow. they, they left my wife and my kids here and sent me to Germany for two years. Um, and then I was, I had a mental break when I was in Germany because of how, how poorly Brooke was doing with the kids back here. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I was over there, um, without them and unable to do anything. And then they ended up, uh, chaptering me out through the warrior transition unit. They transferred me back here to the States. And, uh, uh, and I, I'm sorry, they, they medically retired me, not chaptered. Um, they, they made it a fancy term, basically. Yeah, it's, it's a fancy term. They medically retired me out, basically. They said that they broke me to the point that I couldn't do my job anymore, so they were retiring me. Oh, my God. So, sorry, as, as an outsider, and just, just to let you know, like, and the audience as well, um, some people know this, but I do have a military background myself. Um, by by yeah. no means is it even close to what you guys are, um, are talking about. But I was a Navy diver in the South African military. So, you know, small potatoes. That's amazing. Oh, that thing's so, so I, I understand. And, 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 and to be honest with you, like one of the reasons why I decided to join the military for, for where I was in the time and space, you know, this was in the 90s. The reason why I joined it was because um, I knew that I wasn't going to have to go into combat. You, you, you That's know, what I did. Yeah, so I knew that I wasn't going to have to. Like, I was going to be sailing in ships. I was going to be checking out whales, t- doing goodwill missions <laughs> up the coast of Africa, yeah. grains and food and whatever. So, That's why I got into it. You know, not 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 to go and beat the crap out of people. Um, so, so I, I, and the reason. For me- Sorry, it was a little bit different. No, that's okay. Um, For me, it was just a little bit different. I actually came in out of high school. I didn't know what to go to school for if I were going to go to college. And I didn't want my parents to spend all this money or Mm -hmm. for me to have to spend all this money and not know what I was going to do going into college. And so I joined the military actually in September of 2000. And that was pre nine eleven, so yes, I mean, there was no mission. The army that. didn't have. Yeah, exactly. the The army didn't have a mission at that point. I got stationed in Hawaii at Schofield Barracks. It, it was like the dream. most amazing time ever. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it really was. And then nine eleven happened, and the army that I knew, literally within the snap of a finger or you know a plane flying into the towers that was the pivotal point right then all of a sudden we had a mission all of a sudden we needed to do this and for mike he was sitting watching the towers fly in or watching the planes fly into the towers knowing he needed to do something for him that was a call to duty yeah. Right. Okay. I, so. I joined after 9-11. I was in a junior college, really no direction, just kind of, you know, floating. Yeah. And uh, my, my brother-in-law called me, woke me up. I had actually slept in through class. He said, hey, go watch TV. Go turn it on. And I went and watched. And a uh, couple, I think uh, maybe a month and a half later, I was in the recruiter's office signing up. And, wow. uh, and so that started my career. And I mean, like that, 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 that's just powerful, you know, not, not to sort of sidetrack us here for any um, length of time, but, you know, it's just so, such powerful rhetoric um, to, to have that, right? And, and I think that when you frame it that way, you know, and, and I, don't, I really am not going to get into 9-11 conspiracies or anything like that uh, on, on the show. <laughs> no, no, um, that's a whole other that, 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 That's a whole other show that is probably not suited to Absolutely. this audience, but whatever. <laughs> no, um, but, but I mean, honestly, though, having the two different comparisons, you know, I came in prior to, and it was a completely different, it was a family the yeah. army was a family then, and it was fun, and we grilled a lot. Basically, it was like mash if you could get rid of Vietnam. Right. <laughs> That's like a great if, you, if you could entail all the fun pieces, but none of the war parts. That's yeah. exactly how it was. It was great. Yeah. And then for Mike, he came in, you know, during 
the 9-11 push. And yep. it was it was a very different mentality at that point. And I came in knowing that I was training up going to war. I joined yeah. thinking I'd do my four years and be done with it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's an interesting conversation. Um, again, not to sidetrack us here, but like my wife, you know, she, she is from the U.S. So she's, my wife is American. And, you know, she, she told me that from the day we met. She was like, yeah, you know, it was crazy. Like a lot of people, you know, she didn't grow up in a, in a very, um, it, it, she didn't grow up in a city. She didn't grow up in a wealthy community or anything. So a lot of those people um, you know, you, you sort of decided whether you want to go and work on the farm for your, your $6 an hour, or do you want to go and uh, serve your country? You know, and of course, if you go rah, 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 um, the terrorists are coming and blah, 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 then, you know, it's easy to rally people up. And I mean, Very, exactly. and, 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 you, and you and I both know, I mean, we're all talking the same language here that war is very profitable for wealthy nations. Oh, oh tremendously. You know, um, you know, go in there, decimate everyone in the name of liberation, and then rebuild the country with your contractors, which is, you yeah, know, capitalism exactly. at, its, at its finest, you know? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We got to see it firsthand, too. Yeah, and, and I know that. I, I, I'm, I'm absolutely sure that you did. So, I mean, like, let's just sort of bring us back on point here for, for a second. So, you know, we, you, you, you guys are out there, um, active duty you know, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, for those who don't know what PTSD is. And you get put on all of these psychotropic medications and things are just not going well. What happens after that? Like what prompts you, you know, bringing us into the, the, the story that is the documentary now? Like what happens to initiate some kind of change or, or mental shift with you guys? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, it actually came in the most unlikely way. Uh, my wife, uh, Brooke and I were at one of her therapy sessions and, uh, she had already been through three inpatient stays at a psych hold. Um, she had already attempted suicide twice and wow. the therapist said, you know what, you, you've tried everything, uh, but you haven't given this a thought. Uh, what about this? And she handed us a Colorado medical marijuana handbook. Um, okay. And I was an active duty military policeman at the time, and I laughed. And did you, uh, did you think I, it was just like completely crazy? Like, I mean, just people. I thought it was drugs, absolutely like... crazy. I was like, I'm, I'm active duty, and you want to try cannabis, and <laughs> you know how the government looks at cannabis. Yep. Not on, not only that, but I'm a military policeman. On top of it. And so it it was, it was just like, no, that's, no, we're not, we're not doing this. But we took the book, um, and because she offered it to us and and I, I didn't want to be rude, but we took the book, we went home and a couple nights later, we actually started flipping through it and opening it up. And I started putting my prejudices aside when I started seeing what it was supposed to help with. And, um, I, I left for Germany with that knowledge. And then when I returned, uh, we actually started broke, became a, a medical cannabis patient. Uh, and she started on it and I was able to, while still on active duty, witness her, starting to wean herself off of all of the medications with cannabis. Um, and and she was actually doing better. She was giggling and laughing and she had emotion. She was functioning. She was starting to take care of herself more. Um, and everything else in the house, she was starting to, to do stuff that she hadn't done in so long. And, Um, I actually started, uh, I learned how to grow and I started growing for her because I wanted to know while I was on active duty. Yeah. (laughs) I wanted to know what she, uh, what she was putting into her body. I wanted to make sure there weren't any pesticides or anything like that, chemicals, any strange things like that. So I started growing for her. And through that, I started learning about the plant and learning to respect it and, you know, what it needed, what it wanted to grow, um, what it thrived thrived on. on. Mm -hmm. And, uh, 
And then the day that I was medically retired, the day that I received my discharge paperwork, my well, my retirement paperwork, DD-214, is the very first day that I ever had cannabis. Um, and it didn't go so well. It didn't go so well. No, I. It, How'd you feel? I, 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 had, I had a really a bad, bad experience. experience. Yeah. Um, I just had this overwhelming darkness just wash over me, this gloom, and it was it was pretty creepy. But then we switched, we strains. switched strains and used a different strain, and it immediately went away, and it was great, and I was happy and felt good and relaxed my shoulders relaxed the stress dropped out of my back and my chest i could breathe easier it was amazing and then from then on out it was like okay well i've been lied to about this my entire life what else have i been lied to about and my world just kind of changed after that well and that 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 is uh... I mean, that, 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 that's a great uh, stopping point just for a second because there's a couple of things I want to pull out, right? So one is yeah. what, one, one is, is the fact that you, you, Brooke, were able to actually wean yourself off psychotropics with cannabis because that's a really, really difficult thing to do. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm a practitioner, um, so uh, functional medicine, holistic nutrition, blah, 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 and I've worked with psychiatrists to, you know, psychiatrists have actually come to me and said, hey, I got this person who's on 10 different medications for the yeah. last six years. I don't know what to do anymore. Like, I, we, we can't get her off that. And, you know, and, and then trying to work with supplementation and trying to really get like sciencey and very biochemical and whatever. And yes. I tell you what, it's a freaking yeah. nightmare trying to deal with that. So it is. Absolutely. The, and and so, I'm sure you can, you can attest to that way, way better than I can. So the fact that you weaned yourself off that, first of all, is like, I'll tip my hat to that because that's that's something to be spoken it about. It didn't come without trials and tribulation. It did I'm not sure. <laughs> come easily. I literally, there were points where I just wanted to bang my head against the wall because at least then I could focus on that. Um, yeah. yeah. My, my head was racing constantly. My anxiety was through the roof. But after after a certain period of time, after a few weeks, it started to get better. And I realized, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm able to sleep. I can sleep. Mm. Or I'm able to function throughout the day. I got to the store today. And let me tell you, in situations like that, being able to get yourself dressed and out the door, that's a huge feat all in itself. And so doing that and being able to use cannabis so openly here in Colorado, it was really helpful in so many ways but those the meds the side effects they did hang on for quite a while it was about a month and a half yeah no and and i i I mean i've heard that that from so many different people you know i think psychotropics are probably the hardest drugs to actually get off um you know more i detoxed off of yeah methamphetamines and coke yeah i did that yeah and i detoxed off of opioid painkillers and they take about a week, three to seven days. Because they metabolize right? very quickly, right? They do. And then yeah. the psychotropics, these were the ones that took the longest. I've never experienced anything like I have with that one. They, and, you know, it was terrible. Yeah. And for me, like, obviously, I'm looking at it as slightly from an outsider's perspective because these are people that I've worked with in my practice that have mm-hmm. you know, experienced that. So I've personally, I've never experienced that, um, but I can totally appreciate that. But the other thing, you know, which I find very interesting now is, um, you know, uh, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, uh, cannabis has just become legal in Canada, just by the way. Yes. We are the, yes. first, the, 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 the second country after Uruguay to actually legalize cannabis, both recreationally and medicinally. And, you know, the, the, and, and I'm sort of pointing things back to you, Mike, where the interesting thing for me is that there's still so much stigma attached to it, where I see, oh, absolutely. I mean, it's crazy, like even in my network. So for me, like I, I, I'm not going to divulge too much information here, um, but whatever. Uh, I've, I've, I've dabbled in all sorts of different things and I've had a long history 
of psychedelics and you know pot and whatever else and so i get it right but for a lot of people yeah. i see them you know now it's legalization and oh my gosh what's going to happen to my kids like all the kids are going to become drug addicts and you know society's just going to degenerate into this dysfunctional dystopia if you will and it's just like that's actually not the case at all and so I, so i find it interesting for you mike you know that that you i think in many ways you felt like that and for you to come to those realizations and to experience mm-hmm. that firsthand i think is a powerful lesson to people who are perhaps listening to this who are somewhat skeptical or you know sitting on the fence absolutely absolutely i you know i had not had any uh anything that was not prescribed to be to me by a medical doctor until uh, the day that i was out of the army and started cannabis uh and smoked a, a joint that is the very first day in my entire life uh that i ever did i i was a police cadet before i joined the military uh while i was still in high school i mean i i was i was very very straight laced um and uh and this changed my world it it showed me how absolutely backwards i had been taught and that the fact that all of these things are out of reach to the general public is a disservice yeah uh these these are things that are helping to heal our lives and our family mm-hmm. we when we when we got out we turned against each other we had no enemy to fight and so we fought each other and our children were witness to that and unfortunately that's last that that's leaving a, a lasting impression upon them how could it not but of now course. our focus is using these medicines to heal ourselves so that we can heal this family so that we can give the compassion and the love and the care to our kids that they so deserve that to ourselves absolutely yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey, after after the journey that you've both been through, I mean, like, yeah, you 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 owe it to yourselves, and you know, kudos, like, just just do it, you know, keep keep on doing it. But you know, I think something that's interesting for me as well is the the whole idea that um, I'm just going to see if I can frame this correctly. The the idea that we can make a plant illegal that exists in nature. Is is just a little bit absurd to me, like the whole notion that we can, you know, you know what I'm saying. And the, yeah. the medicine that we're talking yeah. about is not, it's not like you know, a bunch of hippies stumbled upon this medicine in the 70s and 80s. No, like, no, no. Like this, this, is, this is old, old medicine that has its roots in shamanism, and it's like some of the oldest medicine that we actually have. And you know, for those people oh, yeah. who've listened to the podcast a few times, like you'll know that and I've had shamans favorite. on, I've had these people on to talk about this, but. I guess my next question for you guys is, you know, so so I, I get the, you know, I think cannabis is probably a, a gateway into experiencing these things, opening up your mind, feeling the way that you do. And then how do you sort of take the yeah. next step into the more like real, like psychedelic kind of stuff? It was the point where I had been using cannabis for quite some time, uh, about three years. And I had hit a point where I wasn't making any more growth. And I actually started regressing a little bit. Mm. A lot of it. Uh, a lot of it, yeah. yeah. A lot you of feel it. like more, more, um, more like just dull? Like, you know, just sort of like, a, like living in a smoky kind of cloud or? No, it was no. more that he was still, regardless of the amount of cannabis he could consume in a day, the anger and ah. distress stress and the anger again like it was a lot of anger was seeping through it Mm -hmm. and he really truly felt like there was something else out there to do but we didn't know what we didn't know where to go from there and it was a it was a happenstance chance meeting at a cannabis cup award that open the opportunity for him to go to Florida to do ayahuasca. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to just pause there for one second and, you know, Mike, um, feel, feel free to not answer this, but this is something that as a, uh, as 
my, my, my own personal self and my own personal journey together with being immersed in the field of helping other people. I always, you know, when I look at, when I think of anger, um, you know, I, I guess the question is, and again, you don't have to answer this, but where did that anger come from? Like, why, why, why was there anger in the first place? You know, because I obviously I get that the ayahuasca and the psychedelics help you tap into that. But did you know at the time where this anger was coming from or were you just pissed off all the time? I knew where it was coming from. I didn't know how to get it out. I didn't right. know how to let go of it. It was anger at having uh, having been in the war, having been used for uh, for means that were not what I signed up for. Mm. Uh, for having taken people's lives for reasons that I thought were just, that I found out later were were not, um, for the loss of humanity that I had had to undergo and that all of my brothers and sisters in arms underwent. And the fact that we were losing now more veterans here stateside uh, to suicide mm -hmm. uh, than we ever lost over in combat. I think that was the hardest. Wow. And that was that was that was one of the hardest parts. Was it, it for a while there? It was almost almost every other day. Oh, we were getting phone calls. We were seeing news stories. We were about people that we knew. It, wow. it just one after another after another, and it it was just hitting a point where it was like this is never going to end. Um, and, uh, the, the cannabis, uh, you know, Matt Kale, the other veteran in the movie, he said it best. He said, cannabis is a wonderful medicine, but it's like a band aid. Eventually you've got to take that band aid off and you got to address that wound underneath. You got to rip those stitches open, scrub it out and start cleaning it out. Get that festering infection out. Otherwise it's never going to heal. And right. cannabis is the band aid. Cannabis allows us to function. It, it allows us to to move through our days and, and kind of keep that anger subsided. But th there, there comes a time when that, that wound needs to be worked on more because it just festers. Mm -hmm. And that's what these other, that's what ayahuasca does. It's the surgeon that gets in there and, and cuts it open, that, that cleans it out and that stitches it up. Right. And that wound is still there, it, but it's stitched up. And it's clean, and it's it can start to heal. Yeah. And there there will still be a scar there, but you got to get to that point. And so, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I you know, th thank thanks for being so open and honest, and hopefully, didn't put you on the spot there. Um, you know, these the the issues that we're talking about are are obviously very sensitive issues, very deep, traumatic kind of issues. But the reason why I asked that question and the reason why I bring it up is, you know. W w there's a lot of people out there that are suffering from very similar things that were not necessarily in combat, that were not oh, in the same position, yeah. but it's you know, trauma. Uh, yeah, yeah. The trauma. And, and I, I'm not even going to start like lab putting labels on that. I'm just going to say trauma generally. Um, yeah. You know, you, you get it. Like you, people listening out there, you get it. You get what I'm talking about. Trauma is trauma. And if it's trauma for you, that sticks with you, you know, it sticks with you for a long time. And, um, as someone who's gone through similar things, and again, not comparing myself to you guys, but my own personal trauma, um, I, I've, I've realized that, you know, where you, you slap these band-aids on left, right, and center, and it's only before, it, it's only once you actually really address the root of the problem, which is not an easy thing to address, and we'll talk about that in a minute, it's not an easy thing to face, like it's facing your worst demons, Right. But yeah, it's but, it's work. But, but that that that's ultimately the thing that sets people free. Um, and and I it feel is. I yeah. feel that ayahuasca, ibogaine, um, San Pedro, like all of these psychedelic plants, are really a catalyst to initiate that kind of insight in people. So I'm going to turn it back onto you, Mike, and just you know give, give me some sort of uh, again as much as details you want to go into here, but. So you go down to Florida, you get introduced, you know, happenstance, uh, you know, you're down there, you're doing oh, ayahuasca, like what, what, what happens? Like, you know, what, what, take us, take us through that if you can. 
um, okay, oh, maybe don't. <laughs> maybe, maybe. No, no, it, no, it, no, it's, it's fine. Good. It's good. It's, it's good. Where it's does just, it start? Yeah, there's so much. Um, I I was able to fly out there by the generous uh, donation of a woman that I didn't even know from. Uh, she was in India, and uh, she donated enough money for uh, Matt Kale and I to uh, fly out there and attend ceremony uh, and, and fly back. And it was fantastic. Um, and uh, so if she's listening, by happenstance, thank you. Um, but uh, so we, we flew out there and that was a difficult, difficult process because uh, my anxiety was was through the roof. So just getting through the airport, getting on the plane, getting there was, was almost unbearable. Um, it helped that I had, uh, uh, two other veteran brothers there with me though. They, they, they really helped carry me through it. And when we got there, we were, uh, just so warmly greeted and, uh, and told about, yeah, how the how the ceremony was going to commence uh that there would be an opportunity to uh drink four times uh i only ended up drinking three that weekend um and um we were told to go ahead and and get a little bit of rest get some some water nothing to eat and to uh, mentally prepare for ceremony that night Right. And, did, did, uh, did, did, just to interject, did you have to do some kind of preparatory diet? You know. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, we we did a, a, a kind of a cleansing diet. Um, yeah. You don't have any spicy food, garlic, um, and basically just bland food. Like beans, no animal, right? no animal products and all that sort of stuff, right? No animal products. Yeah. No dairy. Yeah. Um, it's completely vegan without yeah, spices. Yeah, completely yeah. vegan without spices, and uh, also that's terrible. But uh, I get the I get the intention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it 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 definitely is is interesting. Uh, not that they had me do for about ten days before I uh, flew out there. Right. Okay. So um, again, I, you know, I, I just uh, like not trying to overstep any boundaries here or or, or pry too much, but. I just, you know, now that I know the whole backstory and where things have come from, I guess, uh, you know, I've, I've covered ayahuasca in other podcasts here. So for those of you listening right now, if you want to go and check out the um, uh, year, of, year of Drinking Magic with Guy, uh, there's a podcast there on that. There's also Darren Austin Hall, who's my good friend. We, we touch on ayahuasca there. I guess I just want to more sort of, you know, point things again for the audience here what what happened like what was the big shift in your mind and how do you sort of like you know what was that transition from where you were into where you are now like what does that look like it's a tough one to put into words uh, i'll do my best um yeah as, as I... surface as you want <laughs> or as deep as you want whatever <laughs> I was I was sitting around the uh, the fire. We had a fire that uh, we were all sitting around, and um, we had all drank the medicine and the the cup of ayahuasca, and we had been asked to go ahead and sit at, at the fire until we felt the medicine start to take effect, and then to go ahead and ask for help to get up and move over to a grassy area where there were mats laid out for people to lay on. And I was sitting there and watching the flames, and uh, I, I just felt this uh, intense weight, like a, a giant lead ball in my stomach, and that was it. Um, and Chris came over to me, and uh, he asked me if I was feeling the medicine, and um, I said, I don't know. This is I just feel like I have a giant lead weight in my stomach. And he said, oh, you have a strong ego. I have something for that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he came back with uh with a, a a long wooden tube and uh and some uh shamanic snuff called rape yep and uh he proceeded to uh blow some up my nose which 
uh, it felt like the the best way I can describe it, it felt like white hot lightning being blasted through my nose into my brain and then it blew my brain out the back of my skull into the universe um <laughs> yeah uh, and, and you know what like again for some people listening that might just seem like holy crap or we even it might seem here? a little bit like no for, whoa, for me but, for uh, me personally um again I've, I've moved in those circles so i've seen a lot of shamanic art that actually predicts exactly what you're saying they sorry de depicts exactly what you're saying um there's a lot of yeah. shamanic art from south america that you know it, it portrays exactly what you're saying so i get it um so okay so carry on and that hit me and i fell forward onto i had been sitting in a in a plastic lawn chair i fell forward onto my hands and knees and uh i didn't have any choice but to let go and and let mm. the medicine start working um i i remember looking at the fire and seeing faces in the fire of um uh, enemies faces of people that that i felt were were enemies and i i felt this intense anger towards them and i wanted to jump into the fire but i i had the the clarity to know that that would be ridiculous but i i just i felt this anger just rushing up in me and i was pounding into the into the ground and screaming and then i threw up i purged Right. Um, and I collapsed my face into the ground. And um, as I was screaming into the ground, I felt all of this hatred and anger and violence that I had been carrying inside of me. Literally, I felt it come out of me and come out of my mouth as the scream. Um, it kind of embodied it and came out of me and into the earth where it was reabsorbed and it was no longer a part of me. Wow. And I, I, I threw my head back and sat back and took a, a tremendous in breath and felt like it was the first breath of my life. Wow. It felt like I had been reborn in that moment and I had no anger in me. I had just overwhelming peace and love and calmness and happiness and just joy and i just i i knelt there in the dirt with sand and vomit in my beard and on my face and i stared up at the stars and i just laughed and laughed and people came to me and washed my face with water and and wiped me down with paper towels and i just laughed And I just felt this joy that I hadn't felt in so long. And that was the break. It was just this understanding of the fact that there was still joy and happiness in this life. And wow. I could feel it finally again. I mean, and, uh, I mean, wow. It, it was incredible. It was, yeah. it was incredible. Yeah. No, and uh, I mean, well, where to start, right? It's, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, sort of, I sort of have like a tear running down my face right now because I totally get what you're what you're talking about. But uh, oh man, thank you. Um, thank you. It's a beautiful thing, right? And I, 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 I think I think the thing that stands out for me, you know, there's there's two two things worth mentioning. Is one the fact that there's such a radical transformation in such a short space of time is is something to pull out. And something to talk about, you know, we, we don't have to go at length here, but I just want to pull that out for people for, who are listening here. You know, there's nothing else that I've come across that has such a, and I'm not just talking about ayahuasca. Ibogaine is very, very similar. San Pedro is very similar. For many people, LSD is similar, even MDMA, like any of these sort of. Right. So any of the psychotropics but, or psychedelics, I should mm -hmm. say. But the, the point that I'm getting at is, you know, for a lot of people where these sorts of things are very taboo, they're very like, you know, we still class them as quote unquote drugs. Um, they, they, people I don't think are aware that very, very deep psychological trauma can be transformed literally on a dime when the conditions yes. are right. 
You know, and I think that that's a powerful, powerful thing to reiterate here because most people don't believe that's even possible. Oh, it is. It absolutely is. And that's it crazy is. for it, me. And, I, mean, I think it's crazy for everyone listening <laughs> to this. You yeah. know? Um, the, the difference is between it's, it's set and setting. Is it being taken in a way that... It, it, first loving off, is it in a loving and healing way? Right. Is it is it in a compassionate way? Is it in a way where one is listening to themselves and to their heart and actually looking for change? Right. Or is it in a way where they're just looking for a good time and they want to feel the effects of it? Well, I, 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 um, can, I mean, you can probably attest to this. Like, I don't know that ayahuasca or ibogaine is a good time by any stretch. Um, oh, my gosh. Uh, after I, the fact, you know, it's a great I, time. But during it, it's not necessarily a good time at all. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't normally go, oh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and get some ayahuasca for the weekend. Woo! <laughs> exactly. No. But, you know, it, but, but, it's, it's work. But Oof. you sort of... Like, you, you know, the, the, this was my second point that I was going to mention, which is the fact that because there is this popularism, and I'm not sure if that's the right word, but, you know, ethnotourism, uh, shamanic medicine, ayahuasca, psychedelics, they've really, in the last few years, um, there's been a resurgence in their popularity is what I'm getting at. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of people really are going down and looking for their shaman and blah, 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 like down in Peru and Brazil. And I always say to people, you know, people have said to me like, Hey, can you, can you, you know, I lived with the natives for six years here in Canada. So I, it, it wasn't psychedelics. There was no you know, plant medicine like this, but I, I, the, the point that I'm getting at is, when people ask you to do these types of ceremonies, when people are seeking this sort of stuff, my big concern is that people are not necessarily prepared for what's going to happen because it's yeah. intense, yes. intense time. And you, yes, can't, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not like taking half a hit of acid and going to a party, you know, that, that's not what it's no. like. No. It's a whole different ball game. No. And I think that, that it's important for me to reiterate that and, and for us to bring that up. Um, yeah, absolutely. These, these medicines deserve the utmost respect because if they are not respected, they can be absolutely frightening. Yeah. Um, they, they, they tend to have a way of working towards one's intent. And if one's intent is not, uh, along the lines that it should be, sometimes they'll end up getting the experience that they are meant to get and and that's not always so pleasant slap you upside the head basically uh something oh like yes that. <laughs> and then some <laughs> yeah and then some yeah. yeah well guys um you know i think we'll we'll sort of uh, start wrapping things up but you know i before i do that where you know things i assume now um you know you're obviously we're talking you're in a much better place the documentary itself um how like you know, what, what's the sort of reception been like to that? Um, you know, and, and I know that it hasn't actually been released yet. Hopefully, by the time I release this podcast, it will actually be released. Um, mm -hmm. but, but regardless, um, what's the reception been like uh, to your story? So far, it was, it was a bit unnerving to let people see how PTSD really looks and how it affects a family. You try to protect your family. That these are your kids, that's your spouse. You try to protect your family. And we let these people in and we let them film in times that were desperate, in times that were dire, in times that if ayahuasca hadn't really worked for Mike, he fully intended on committing suicide afterwards because everything else had been tried. Right. And to have the impact of From Shock to Awe on our lives and see the transformation from start to finish, it has been absolutely incredible. Um, the traction that they've gained, and it still gives you butterflies in your stomach when you see the film, when we see it anytime we 
we just get this weird feeling of like, oh my God, that was us. But at the same time, it's fulfilling. And the goal going into it was literally if this can touch one person's life, Mm -hmm. if one person sees this and says, you know what, maybe there is something else I can try. Maybe there is something else I can do. If that keeps them from being the 22 a day, then so be it. It was worth every minute of having them here. Well, and yeah, sorry, carry on. on. No, you're fine. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, I, I I applaud you for that. Um, you know, it's, it's a bold, it's a bold move to just put yourself right out there and, um, get the world to shine a light on you. So, um, you know, thank you for doing that because I know that it will help other people. Um, I know that there's a lot of people that are still in the dark who are experiencing very similar issues and not sure where to go. Um, so I, I, I guess, uh, you know, obviously I'm going to do my bit here in this podcast to get the documentary out there. And my hope, you know, in a blue sky world, in a utopian world, is that we will see more of these types of plant medicines um, become deregulated, I guess, and more widely available to people. And I'll just sort of add like a sidebar here. There was actually a clinic in Vancouver, which um, treated drug addicts, and they used Ibogaine. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Ibogaine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. So Ibogaine, I mean, if you get into the whole like backstory, you know, West African ceremonies, it's a whole two, three day affair and blah, blah, blah. But what they would, what they proved in Vancouver was that the ibogaine was actually getting even the most hardened drug addicts off drugs in literally one. Oh, you know, um, like like that 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 to me is just crazy. And what happened with that, and the reason why I bring it up, is the government basically shut it down. And oh, my hope. Oh, you can't make money if people are not sick. Well, true enough. True enough. Yeah, you the, you, you can only make money <laughs> off sick people. Yeah. Um, we won't go there today. <laughs> I think I've done another <laughs> podcast on that. But anyway, um, my hope is that is that this this sort of medicine will at least become deregulated, where people can use it freely. They can do it freely, um, even that even if that is in some sort of controlled setting. Because your story that you've shared today is very very inspiring, and I know that um, our listeners that are listening will will definitely resonate with that. And um, hopefully find some light at the end of the tunnel um, with that. So I thank you guys for coming on the show and for being so open and honest and, and candid about your experience. I do appreciate that. Thank you. We really appreciate the time. It's great to be able to talk about this, you know, because it, it is true. Um, trauma affects pretty much everybody in, in some way, shape or form. And to, uh, to, to think of it as being, less because it's not oneself is is not okay you know this is the type of thing that can do a lot of good for a lot of people not everybody i don't believe that everybody should you know it it, it yeah benefiting from this but for those that that do it can bring about a a life long change for the better Mm -hmm. and just getting the word out is is pretty important yeah so thank you for that for that chance you're most welcome. Um, you know, I know we've had some scheduling issues trying to get on this uh, podcast in the first place, but um, you know, so uh, I'm going to wrap it up there. Uh, Mike, Brooke, thank you guys so much for coming on. It's really great to meet you and to hear your story. And I hope that you guys listening out there are, you know, inspired, um, if nothing else, to actually go and watch the documentary and to go and share the documentary. And hopefully that will have a ripple effect of touching other people so that they can seek alternatives that are perhaps less damaging um, and less captive than what we've heard today. So, uh, guys, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I will definitely be including uh, links, uh, whatever those relevant links are, in the show notes here. Um, Any final words from you guys? No, thank you so much for giving us this time. And your time honestly this has been amazing we just want this word to get out absolutely okay great stuff all right so uh those of you who are listening um today as always if you enjoyed today's episode please share 
subscribe, review, Yelp tweets, um, whatever the hell you got to do to get this word out there, uh, especially today's podcast. And if you listen to last week's podcast with David Stefan, you'll see that I'm on this trend right now of bringing things that are more pressing than simply informative. So I would really appreciate you sharing today's podcast, last week's podcast as well. And, um, you know, get, getting the word out there. Like there's people out there that need help. And I love hearing from people like Mike and Brooke who have really overcome some very, very serious challenges with natural medicine. So Mike, Brooke, uh, thank you so much for being here. And you guys have an awesome night. Thank you, Brett. Thank you, Brett. You too. Okay. And you guys out there, uh, take good care. We'll catch you next episode.